0: Welcome to Weekend Bite. I'm Daniel Snyder. We have an incredible show today. We're joined by Andrea Bevis, Managing Director at UBS Private Wealth Management and Victoria Scholar, Head of Investment at Interactive Investor, because we have something really important to talk about today. Something that is, it really isn't getting talked about enough, and that is actually changing the game of capitalism. Something so positive, For the overall global economy, relationships, equality, and overall investments. So let's go ahead and bring Andrea into the conversation to learn more about what I'm talking about. Andrea, why don't you go ahead and pop on screen here. It's so good to see you. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Of course. So happy
0: to be here. Yeah, so let's take a second. And why don't you go ahead and just share the insights from the UBS Own Your Worth report. And I'd love to just start by asking you to share, you know, what does this report cover and what are the findings that you all discovered in this year's release?
1: So UBS recently published a survey called Own Your Worth, where they were studying women's relationship with money and finances and specifically how women's priorities with respect to money and finances have changed over the past couple of years in light of the challenges that we've all been through. And what this report found is that priorities have shifted and specifically how it relates to how women are spending time and money and women are more committed now than ever before to use their money as a tool to affect change. And they really are motivated to have their values align with their investments, with their portfolio, the charities that they give to, and even their careers. We found some women are just changing their careers to align more with what their values are.
0: There's something here in the report as well. I'd love to get your, your views on, Is you're talking about 51% of women defer long-term financial decisions to their spouse or partner, but that's improved. Could you, could you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So this is a key number that we track in terms of financial equality. How, What percentage of women are deferring long-term financial decisions to their spouse? And while the number at 50% is a lot higher than any of us would like to see, you pointed out that the good news is that that number has improved um, over the past couple of years. And we think one of the reasons it's improved is because uh, women... It was a wake up call, the pandemic, right? And the challenges that uh, families have been through the past couple of years. And they realized the importance of financial engagement in the house.
0: Yeah. And what is it over at UBS that all of you are trying to do to help women in regards to this?
1: We're really trying to educate first and foremost. Uh, We're trying to empower women to communicate to their spouse that it's important Uh, what your opinion is and what your financial goals are. Um, Educate them as financial advisors. That's our job and to facilitate a conversation between two spouses and help them to meet their financial goals. And we're really encouraging women that, you know, if you're, if you're interested in engaging, just to start somewhere and focus on what interests you the most, right? So for some women, that might be the day-to-day finances, right? Money coming in, money going out. For others, that might be giving to charity, charities. And for others, maybe the longer-term financial decisions in terms of planning for your kids' education, helping aging parents, things like that.
0: Yeah, there's power in that too. I was actually just speaking the other day with my wife because we actually have it set up for a monthly donation for philanthropy and stuff. And I think that's a big area that not a lot of people are talking about or thinking about. So when it comes to philanthropy, I mean, what was it? Nearly 70% have increased their support over just the past two years during COVID, during like the pullback, during like that blows my mind. Were you surprised by that as well?
1: Um. I was not surprised by that, to be honest. I mean, and it goes back to the theme of this report, which is um, live life with greater purpose and use your money and put your money where your mouth is, right? And whether that's increasing charitable donations, whether it's increasing time that uh, women are giving back and helping out at these uh, various charities, right? There's no time like the present And I think women specifically are very engaged in terms of giving back.
0: I love this part that you uh, sent over in my notes as well about, I I call it the three L's, right? Liquidity, longevity, and legacy. Would you mind just elaborating more on that?
1: Sure. So we find that it's helpful to give a framework both to men and women in terms of how to view your financial portfolio and your assets. And uh, the framework is called the three L's, exactly like you said. So the shorter term money is in the liquidity bucket. So for the next year to three years, how much money do you think that you'll need? You keep that more liquid. Uh, The longevity portfolio is how much money will you need over the course of your life? And then the legacy bucket is whatever is left over, what money are you getting, how much money, if any, right, is available for your legacy for your kids, for charitable uh, causes, whatever you want your legacy to be, hopefully not to the government, right? And um, the three L's then, uh, the asset allocation that is influenced by each of those buckets, right? So in the liquidity bucket, we want to make sure that our clients have easy access to that money versus the legacy bucket, we might have a longer time horizon there.
0: Also, you have this, this mention of ESG investing, which I think is, um, you know, we've we've had a lot of video interviews with people over the last few months about ESG investing and how there is a huge female focus and, and they actually care about ESG investing. What was it that your survey found in regards to that?
1: So it, it, ESG investing definitely goes in line with investing in line with your values, which women is very important to women. of women uh, stated that they found ESG investing appealing to them. What I found really interesting, though, is that less than half those women actually hold ESG investments. So there's a little bit of a mismatch there, which I found interesting. But and I think that over time, we'll see that number increase because clearly women are articulating that it's important to them to invest in companies that align with their values.
0: Yeah, these are all really great points. I wanna go ahead and bring into the conversation Victoria Scholar, head of investment at Interactive Investor. And Victoria, it's great to have you back on the show. We spoke, I think, back in March. Um, I I believe you've been listening to all the great points that Andrea has been talking about in regards to this this Own Your Worth survey. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this?
2: Um, I think one of the first things that springs to mind that's really interesting is that I think sort of historically there's been some kind of thinking that there's been a trade-off between um, choosing your career or your investing paths in terms of um, the financials versus what suits your value and your purpose. You know, people talk about selling your soul to um, earn, earn a really high income. But I think what this report sort of suggests is that that doesn't necessarily have to be the case. You know, you can invest in ESG and sustainability um, without having to sacrifice returns. Um, I think the other interesting thing is that it's clear that the pandemic has expedited a whole host of different changes in society, whether that's the shift towards working from home. But with this report, it shows that there has been a lot more focus for women and for everyone on their finances. You know, there's been a lot more time during the pandemic when people have been allowed to be at home. Um, more time to be on the computer. You know, we've seen the rise of Robin Hood that's shown an increase in investing. And so perhaps the pandemic has expedited this shift towards women being more engaged in their finances as well. Um, also, I thought it was really interesting that more than half of millennial women um, wanted to align their investments with their values compared to a quarter for boomer women or thereabouts. So that kind of just shows that the behavior is changing with age and over time. So these are really encouraging and exciting trends.
0: Victoria, I agree with you, right? It's like I said, at the beginning, when we started It's like, this is such a game changer for, for mm-hmm. the investing global economy, for capitalism, for all of it, right? Like it's, yeah. barriers are being broken down. More people are becoming engaged. More people are aligning, like you said, with the values of companies and now management actually has to pick up on it and, and align themselves with where the markets want them to go, if they want to stay relevant, if they want to innovate, if they want access to capital. I mean, it seems like a win-win, right?
2: Yeah, and actually, we've seen that ourselves on our interactive investor platform. We've got um, an ACE40 list of investments that you can invest in, and it's basically the UK's First rated list of sustainable investments that investors can choose from. And there are more than 200 uh, sustainable investment options on the platform, and the 40 best in class have um, been chosen. And in terms of our data, what we've seen is in general over the last year, there's been about a 67%, I think, increase in customers being interested in ACE40. For millennials, there's an even bigger increase. I think it's 85%. And for women, it's around 70% as well. So again, this sort of underscores what the report from UBS is saying that there is a major shift in terms of um, a much more intense interest in aligning values with sustainability um, with investments as well.
0: Yeah. So now we know we're entering pretty much a new era, right? It's slowly unfolding these years, but I mean, this isn't like you were talking about the millennial generation, uh, you know, women getting involved, we still have decades to go, right? They have time to double down and learn what they don't know and what has potentially been hidden or not attracted to them in the past or whatever it was, the barriers, right? Those are getting brought down. So as we start to look forward, I mean, let's talk about the market a, real, a little bit. Um, yeah. Obviously we pull back. Obviously we hit a bear market. Obviously we had CPI number come out this week, 9.1%, all time high for 40 years. Uh, what do you make of this?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're at 9.1% on US inflation. Interestingly, that's exactly where we are here in the UK as well, Uh, 40 year high for US CPI. And we heard from one Fed president, Loretta Mester, uh, saying that she thinks that inflation hasn't peaked. So the suggestion is there really is more to come here. Um, We've seen the Treasury yield curve invert by the most in 22 years. That was after those uh, numbers. And clearly, it's been a challenging time for the market, like you say, it's it's no secret. Um, But what this means in terms of the Fed is really important because we've seen Canada surprise the market with this 100 basis point interest rate rise uh, just this week. So that could potentially see the Fed move more aggressively if it takes its cues uh, from its neighbour. But at the moment, I think it's about 75 basis point hike that's being penciled in. But there could be the potential for a 100 basis point hike even. Um, but it's been a very, very difficult year um, for the S&P 500, and lots of analysts are calling for further downside um, into the rest of the year, and not just for markets. You know, the IMF looks set to downgrade its global growth outlook, um, and Bank of America this week is now forecasting a mild US recession in the second half of this year. So it really is all going a bit pear-shaped this year, um, but... Uh, I think once we get to peak inflation and we start to see those numbers uh, roll over, then that could potentially pave the way for some kind of trough for markets and this year's volatility to ease.
0: You're making a lot of great points. And I was actually just looking down because I I saw today that the five-year, 30-year also inverted for the first time since, you know, the end of June. Um, So we're seeing a lot of volatility in the bond market. We're seeing a lot of volatility in the stock market, U.S. stocks. Like you're talking about over in Europe across the pond, I mean, the recessions, the glooming, the, the political changes happening. Like the entire world is in flux, and we're all looking at earnings estimates through the rest of the year. You have, like you mentioned, people coming out saying, we're, Oh, we're going to have a mild recession by year end. There's others still predicting for next year. Um, we're having earnings starting, mm-hmm. right? JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, they announced both of them kind of looking like they're getting a little bit of a squeeze. Uh, what should people be looking for with regards to this earnings season that's starting this week? I mean, if, if Fed's raising rates, isn't growth and risk assets and everything else about to get probably potentially hit?
2: Yeah, I think there is quite a bit of nervousness going into second quarter earnings season because it looks like it really is the next major test and catalyst for the markets. I mean, the banks have shed about a third of their value from uh, the January highs and the numbers, like you say, from JP Morgan, not too strong. Um, pretty disappointing, particularly when it comes to investment banking revenues. We know that M&A activity and IPOs are all massively down versus last year, but this is really now being reflected in the numbers. And it's also had to suspend its share buyback as well. And actually, um, it missed on the top and bottom lines. And the CEO, Jamie Dimon, has been warning about the high inflation, waning consumer confidence, the war in Ukraine, so many factors uh, that are likely to weigh on the global economy. So I think that this earnings season is going to give us some clues into the strength of corporate America right now. Uh, there's just so much talk about a potential recession on the horizon and whether all this inflationary pressure is going to really start to bite in terms of these corporate fundamentals.
0: Yeah, it, makes you, it kind of makes you think about, you know, the Fed always wanted to telegraph everything they were doing but this might be the most telegraphed recession coming our way we don't know obviously um and, I, to yeah, go and off- there has been
2: a risk actually that uh, some fed president can't remember which one but one was saying this week that uh, there's a risk that we would talk ourselves into a recession you know because some of the underlying fundamentals of the U.S. economy do remain very strong. I mean, the labor market, in particular, we had that very strong payrolls report last week. Um, so there is a risk that we sort of talk too much about it and uh, talk it into into reality. Um, yeah. But I think there are signs that uh, the fundamentals are easing, uh, and we'll have to see how this earnings season plays out.
0: Exactly. So let's go ahead. If we're talking about earnings, right, with with sector picks, what sectors should be people should people be looking at right now if if we're expecting potentially an earnings pullback because of the second quarter having that, you know, continued high inflation?
2: Well, I think consumer discretionary is going to be one of the first sectors to struggle, obviously, um, given the inflationary environment, if we see major cost of living pressures, um, that's going to see belts tighten. And consumers have to pull back on a lot of their spending and focus um, on the essential items instead. Obviously, so far this year, it's been really strong for energy. And if Europe's gas crisis and the U- war in Ukraine persist, then that could continue to see um, some upside. Uh, the banks, it's a bit of a mixed picture. You know, investment banking revenues are down, but we tend to see banks do better in a rising rate environment because they get better net interest income or net interest margins. So I'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I think consumer discretionary, um, like I say, that's gonna struggle, but the staples could be relatively resilient, particularly if we do fall into a recession. And then utilities tend to do better in a rising rate environment as well. So those are some sort of potential sectors to look at.
0: Yeah, before we let you go, Victoria, I have to get your, I I, I gotta ask you. um, (laughs) You know, one of the things I've been watching, and I think a lot of people are watching now as well, is Euro versus USD um and and you know this week we just saw the euro fall below the value of the dollar you know it's been the other way around for so long what do you make of this
2: yeah i mean i'm sure you've seen all the memes of um americans going to europe to go shopping because everything's so cheap right now um but yeah i mean we've seen such strength for the u.s dollar not just against the euro but across a whole basket of currencies. I think the Bloomberg dollar index is now actually the highest level on record since back in 2005. Now, obviously this is partly being driven by aggressive rate high expectations from the Fed. We're looking at that extra 75 basis point hike just this month. Um, But it's also the allure of the dollar as a relative safe haven because typically the yen is a safe place for investors to hide. But given the fact that it's very much on a different rate hiking path in the sense that it's not moving towards higher rates, like we're seeing from the Fed and the ECB and the Bank of England and others, that is less attractive to international investors. So in terms of the currency market, this really is the main safe haven amid the uncertain economic backdrop, amid these recessionary fears. Um, But we're seeing the euro get hit for its own reasons as well. Europe's gas crisis. Um, here in the UK, the pound is getting hit by political uncertainty. Um, so there's a lot going on. It looks like the sort of king dollar will remain on top for now, for now, at least.
0: Yeah, great insights. Thank you so much. This is Victoria Scholar, head of investment over at Interactive Investor. You take care, okay? And I got to give a special thank you to Andrea Bevis from UBS for joining us today and walking us through the Own Your Worst survey. We're going to go ahead and leave a link below this video for you to go check it out. Make sure you go, you know, it's a 5 minute read maybe go check it out it's excellent data and stay in touch with that all right so now what you've all been waiting for the man who provides insights into what can move the markets next week bringing you the top items to watch in this week's catalyst watch segment seeking alpha's own kim khan kim take it away
3: yeah it's um gonna be a busy week of earnings ramping up for next week um you're gonna get more airlines you're gonna get more banks um, and you're going to get some big name telecoms, but I'll be looking specifically at Netflix, bringing together two of my passions, which is macro strategy and watching TV, because um, after the bell Tuesday, Netflix is is, is going to report, and people are very worried about this number. Um, it, our our tech editor. Uh, Rex Crum did a great walk up, if you want to take a look at that on Seeking Alpha about what you know, Netflix, Netflix investors should be expecting. They're gonna be looking, of course, at the net loss of subscribers and plans for an ad, ad supported uh, service coming soon. And But if you're a macro investor, it's also got a lot for you as well. And if you're an economist, um, it's, it's gonna be interesting to see how many people have made the decision to maybe rein in some spending, maybe cancel the Netflix streaming service. One of the streaming services they added um, you know, during the pandemic um, now have to make choices between filling up the pump, filling up the fridge and having all these streaming services. It's also, as we've talked about just now, the dollar, it's gonna have an impact on Netflix's earnings when it comes to international subscribers. So maybe the Fed will be looking a little bit at whether spending is being reined in and inflation is actually having this impact on the overall consumer economy. So Netflix as a tell for the Fed at the end of the month, well, Stranger Things have happened. That's so true.
0: I don't know about you. I binge watched Stranger Things. I mean, one of my favorite shows for sure. But um, you brought up a really good point about the US dollar. And I was kind of thinking about you know, they just came out and announced that Microsoft is going to be the back end for the ads for Netflix, right? They, they went ahead and chose them. Um, but Microsoft already came out and said that their earnings are going to get hit due to Forex
3: exchange. But Netflix hasn't said a word. Isn't that a little strange? I think so. I mean, I think that, you know, they may have like bigger problems to worry about. I couldn't begin to forecast how the numbers are going to turn out. But they did predict a loss of 2 million subscribers in that loss in the second quarter, you know, and that, that pummeled the stock. So they may be thinking maybe like, you know, enough bad news for now. And we'll like, you know, kind of quantify um, what we're going to lose now. I mean, the dollars move. In, if you just, as we talked about the euro, if you look at it now, suddenly like, you know, they were getting, you know, dollar thirty for every euro they brought in. And now they're getting, you know, less than a buck.
0: Yeah. And I'm just looking through our site real quick. Um, you know, the quant scores and I'm on the valuation grade of Netflix. Uh, and I'll throw this up on the screen so everybody can see it. But the price to book and the price to sales and the price to cash flow, I mean, the price to cash flow is insane. Like, there's no way. And the quant has our sell rating on it. So, I mean, it's something definitely to watch for. Um, we'll find out soon enough. And then maybe we can talk about it on the other side.
3: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right, Kim, you have a great week, and We'll talk to you again here soon. Thanks. Before we get out of here, please do us a favor, like, subscribe, follow, comment, leave a podcast rating, review, do all the things depending on where you're watching or listening to this content. It really helps us get this information out to other investors like yourself. And until next week, I'm Daniel Snyder and have a great weekend.